Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host... Just when I think you've said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking... Michael Preston. Second edition of the Kook Center Hour this week. I, this is like, you you know what, we saw it in the comment section after the first one. This really is like Christmas. We celebrate Christmas early here at Kook Center. We do two Kook Center hours in one freaking week. Now, we do it uh, this week because uh, after the WSU win, get them bowl eligible, we want to do a big show for that one. But we also have basketball season starting this Friday. Uh, a big deal uh, all around the NCAA, but uh, the Pac-12... Opening up the season on Friday, I think like the Pac-12 Network does like a big whip around or something, but specifically on the Nets, you're going to get WSU playing Northern Arizona, and then immediately after that, the women will take on UC Santa Barbara and Beasley Coliseum as well. So the season opens tomorrow, Friday, we're recording this on Thursday, it opens on Friday. We're going to spend our basketball preview show talking to the two people in charge of those basketball programs. First, we're going to talk to head coach of the men's basketball team, Mr. Ernie Kent, in his second season at the helm of the men. And then after that, we're going to talk to head coach June Doherty, her ninth season in Pullman. Man, it seems like time has flown with her ever since she was let go by the University of Washington and Jim Sterk snapped her up nine seasons ago now. That's an amazing amount of time. But let's talk about both of these teams first. We're going to lead off with the men a little, uh, with the men here, because um, obviously I think that's the one uh, most folks are going to follow most closely, though I do encourage you to follow the women as well. They always have an interesting uh, season. They're always playing competitive basketball as well. Voted to finish second to last in the conference uh, ahead of Washington. And I think that, you know, I I don't know a ton about the other teams. There's so many young guys uh, in the Pac-12 this year that I think that might be a little low. I think the Pac-12 on the men's side might be a little more wide open than you may think it is here at the beginning of the year. Arizona's always going to be good. Utah, too. Colorado is always a tough out, and UCLA, of course, is UCLA. They are, you know, up and down, but, you know, <laughs> Tierra, Steve, or whatever the heck Bruins Nation calls them. Um, but I, I think that the conference is a little more wide open this year, maybe, than some folks might think. And you bring back with Washington State, you bring back a guy like Josh Hawkinson, who just came out of nowhere, and we'll talk about him with Ernie Kent here in a minute. Even Ernie Kent didn't see 20 double-doubles coming from Josh Hawkinson last year. He thought he would be better. He didn't see he didn't see 20 freaking double-doubles coming from him, right? I mean, even, even to a guy who thought he would be better, I mean, that was really hard to see. But the one thing you're going to notice with the men's team is that when you know you're a program in recovery, still trying to rebuild, and not necessarily get back to that NCAA tournament every year, but just trying to get back to some postseason play here, this team is loaded with upperclassmen. You have a lot of junior college transfers. Charles Callison, as Ernie will talk about, is expected to start at the point. Connor Clifford, who's been hurt a little bit, but he is expected to play to open the season. You got Renard Suggs, the transfer from Gillette College in Wyoming. You've got Valentine Izundo, who's coming off his red shirt year, but he's a red shirt junior. And then you got Q Johnson, Brett Basin, Junior Longroos, who've all been in this program for forever. These guys are all upperclassmen. Iker Egbu is an upperclassman. Josh Hawkinson's a junior as well. So this team is very old, but that's what happens when you have, you know, you're trying to recover. So after this year, you're going to get two scholarships. But my goodness, next year you're going to have seven seniors on the team. Seven seniors are redshirt seniors, assuming everybody stays. That's going to free up so many scholarships that the team's going to get young again. But right now you have a lot of young guys who you want to get, you know, kind of get their feet wet. You want them to not, you don't want to have to depend on those young guys like Nye Redding, like Darian King, like Robert Franks, like Vontae Daniels. But from everything Ernie Kent talks about, these guys are good basketball players. I think they're going to be about as good as last year. Hopefully a little bit better. You saw them kind of really come on last year after some really disappointing losses to UTEP. TCU, they got spanked by TCU. Managed to come be back and beat Idaho State. Then they lost to Idaho, which is never a fun thing to do. But they really got things going kind of close to Christmas, came out and won three straight Pac-12 games. 
And then just it kind of came off the rails a little bit. They didn't play competitively in a lot of games, and they let some get away from them too. So I, I think you're going to see a team that's a little more consistent. I'd like to not see those big losses like you saw last year uh, with this basketball team. You saw them kind of get smacked around a little bit by Oregon State in their first game in Pullman. You saw them really get worked over by Utah, Colorado. You want to, and then again against Oregon, even though even the scoreline of only losing by 23 is probably not indicative of how badly they lost that game. So you want to see them perform better this year, obviously, as you do anytime. But I think you're probably looking at a team that's going to be you know, right about as good as they were last year. You lose a guy like Devontae Lacey. You lose a guy in Jordan Rayleigh who was an, was an impact player down low. And Connor Clifford's going to need time adjusting to the Division One game. I won't blame him for that. So I, I think a team that's about as good, maybe, as they were last year. On the other side of things for the women's basketball team... And we'll talk to June Doherty about this, and she acknowledges it big time. Anytime you lose over 60% of your scoring from last year in Tia Presley, in Shaley Deanshaw, and in Leah Galdera, it's tough to replace that. It's really, really tough to replace that. So the game plan this year seems to be more solid defense. Try to you know, find a way to navigate through the initial part of the schedule and then see where you can get your scoring from. The other thing the women's team is doing is they are recruiting internationally hard. Borislava Hirtsova, she's from Varna, Bulgaria. She's a freshman. Maria Kosturkova. Maria Maria Kosturkova. See, the only disadvantage of recruiting internationally is it is a pain in the butt to say everybody's name. Freshman from Lisbon, Portugal. You got Bianca Blanaru from Romania, Louise Brown, Lou Brown from Melbourne, Australia, and other players on this roster internationally. Penelope Pavlopoulou from Athens, Greece. They are hitting the pavement hard internationally. And on the flip side from the men's team, a very young team, just five upperclassmen on this roster. But you do have experience at the top in Danielle Awa and Mariah Cooks, Taylor Edmondson came off the bench a lot last year. You have some of that experience up top to maybe help out with the fact that you lose over 60% of your scoring average. I mean, that's that's tough to lose for any team. So the women voted to finish about 8th, ninth in the conference. Again, the Pac-12 in the on the women's side, a little bit more wide open this year, I think, anyway. So I think you'll see them finish mid-table. You'd like for them to finally break through and get that NCAA tournament, but they faltered kind of towards the end of the year the last few years where they might have maybe had a chance and then you get towards the end of the year and those losses just start piling up that big five game losing streak right in the middle of their season last year losing by only three to California losing by only one to Oregon losing by only five to Oregon State those were killer killer losses that really killed their NCAA tournament chances the other thing you're going to see the difference between the men's and the women's team is the scheduling is just the kind of the scheduling mantra. WSU, the women are going to be road warriors. They play Friday at home against UC Santa Barbara, then again on Monday, then they're not back in Pullman until the 27th of November, and then they only have two home games in Pullman in all of December. Oh, and and, and that game against, and that late game in December on the 29th is against Washington over winter break, and then they start the Pac-12 season on the road. They play good basketball teams. They're playing Oklahoma State. They're playing Boise State. They're playing Kansas. All three of those games on the road. And like June Doherty will talk about, she wants to do that to get them ready for the Pac-12. On the other side of things, the men are going to be home a ton. They play one non-conference game that's not in the Diamond Head Classic. The Diamond Head Classic is in Honolulu over Christmas, so we ignore that. They play one non-conference game on the road. One. And they have to go eight miles to play it. They are going to get to know Beasley Coliseum the first month of the season. Northern Arizona, Idaho State, Cal State LA, Kansas Southern, Gonzaga, Portland State, UTEP, Texas State. All of those games at home. All of them. Three teams from Texas, too. Every single one of them at home. 
And you'll hear both coaches talk about why they want to do that and the kind of just the difference in scheduling and how they like to do things. But I think it can be important for both. For the men, they need to get those wins early, get that confidence up with so many new players coming in and trying to replace Devontae Lacey. That's hard to do. For the women, yeah, they need to replace a lot of their scoring, but they need to get used to the brutal Pac-12 schedule. The women's side of the conference is always really tough to navigate. And WSU needs to play those hard teams because it is a little more difficult sometimes to get teams to come to Pullman, but you have seen them get big teams to Pullman in the past. So let's let both coaches talk about their basketball teams in this basketball preview show that we have coming up. Coach Ernie Kent is up first, then we'll talk to head coach June Doherty of the women's basketball team here on the second edition of the Kook Center app. Back here on the Center Hour, our basketball preview show. We're going to talk to June Doherty here in a few minutes. But first, we're going to sit down with the men's basketball head coach, Mr. Ernie Kent, in his second season at Washington State. And, uh, Coach, two exhibition games, a close one with Lewis Clark towards the end and a much better one against Pacific. Did you kind of see what you needed to see out of your team before their uh, season debut for the regular season on Friday? closer than what it needed to be we were up 27 with eight minutes to go and we tried to get so many different combinations and play everybody and uh, the game kind of got away a little bit but we bounced back quite naturally uh, in our second exhibition game and i'm comfortable that we're headed in a very positive direction but yet still needing to fine-tune some things mm-hmm. this week before we open up against northern arizona you got a lot of good, uh, kind of older talent on this team this year. Just looking down the roster, it's loaded with guys who are juniors and seniors, a couple of really good junior college transfers. But I want to start with uh, one thing that's an NCAA rule change this year that uh, some folks may not know about is the shot clock goes to 30 seconds from 35. Now, I don't think that's too big of an issue for your team because you guys like to play fast, but does it change anything that you do losing those five seconds on the shot clock? Uh, I would say offensively, no. I think our last exhibition game, we averaged a shot every 13 seconds. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're putting it up pretty good that way. Uh, but however, defensively, I think you will find uh, that we will do this and other teams also uh, will start to press more uh, to make sure those 10 seconds are taken up in the backcourt, uh, mm-hmm. which leaves you with, with 20 seconds, and, and maybe keep a little press on you in the half court before you fall back into a, a zone or a man-to-man, leaving somebody with a team with maybe 14 seconds to go on the shot clock, which is going to force teams and coaches that are not used to playing faster, running offense mm-hmm. faster, uh, having as much skill that they can break you down and go score, It'll put an onus on them to do something uh, offensively that obviously that's what the NCAA wanted was to speed the game up. We lost uh, some good talent from the team last year. I think most notably a guy like Devontae Lacey who gave four really great years of this program. Uh, what what does his loss uh, mean for this team? I mean, obviously we'll try our best to replace his scoring and his talent, but that's obviously a pretty big gap to fill for this basketball team, a player as special as him. I think the biggest thing is this, the fact that he was a a senior that had already been through the conference, uh, played in big games, uh, played on the road in big games, and was able to have some success in in his ability to to score the ball that that gave you a comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the biggest thing. We will still be able to to get up and down, uh, to shoot it. We have guys that can score, but it'll take time to get the consistency and the continuity and having that courage. Uh, to play at a Pac-12 conference, to play at this level mm-hmm. like he had. 
We brought in a freshman, uh, Viante Daniels, Robert Franks as well from Vancouver, uh, Charles Callison, another newcomer, junior college transfer, and Connor Clifford, standing seven feet tall, first seven-footer I can remember in some time, unless I... Jordan Rayleigh, I think, was 6'11", 6'10", but, um, I mean, a lot of new talent coming in on this team. Of those new guys, are we expecting big contributions right away from any of them, or is this just kind of a wait-and-see mode these first few games of the season, trying to get everything, like you said, the kinks kind of worked out a little bit? Well, the junior college players will have to help right away. That's why mm-hmm. we, we brought them in. Charles yeah. Callison will be our starting point guard, and he, he's capable of handling that very quick, very strong player, can really shoot it. Uh, Renard Suggs, you saw him make his first five shots, four which were three-pointers in our last exhibition games. Mm-hmm. Uh, he will count it on, be counted on the field to some of the scoring punch that we lost with Devontae. And then Connor Clifford, uh, I think it'll be a pleasant surprise to people when they get a chance to see him play. He didn't play in the first two exhibition games, but he'll play this week. Just to have a, a force in the middle uh, that is productive will really help mm-hmm. this team and will really help guys like Josh Hawkinson. And then you mentioned the two freshmen, Robert Franks, uh, Beyonce Daniels. Both have been pleasant surprises. Uh, mm-hmm. They're calm, they're poised, and their skill set, their ability to score the ball has been a pleasant surprise for us. You touched on Josh Hawkinson and Connor Clifford helping him out a little bit. I think I it's probably fair to say that nobody saw coming what we got from Josh Hawkinson last year. A guy who went from not getting a lot of minutes, not scoring a lot of points, to arguably one of the best forwards in the Pac-12 conference. Is it difficult for him to kind of live up to those expectations again? Or is he the kind of guy who can who can take that and just kind of build on it again a season after he really came on, I think, kind of out of nowhere for most folks. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I saw a, tw- a 20 double-doubles coming, yeah. but <laughs> no, saw a no. player that could give and do so much more uh, for Washington State's program. I saw that when I was doing TV games and watching this young man in practice. Mm-hmm. He's your prototype European stretch four, and we, we kind of gave him the confidence, the green light in the system to really um, showcase his talent. Now, whether or not he'll come back and have those numbers again, and those are some of the best numbers, not only in the conference, but in the country. When you Mm -hmm. talk about 20 uh, double-doubles and do it in a record-breaking fashion, uh, we don't know that. But with the support system around him this year, Connor Clifford, uh, Renard Suggs, Charles Callison, their ability to shoot at the improvement of Junior Longers, Ike Arebu, Nye Redding, there's enough on this team that he may not have to put up those kind of numbers for us to still be even more successful than we were last year. You talked about Charles Callison being the starting point guard. Does that help guys like Nye Redding and Ike kind of get their, you know, get their feet wet a little bit more with that position and give them the ability to learn the point and the two and to, to learn those positions a little better, to have that pressure taken off them a little bit? Uh, I would say Nye Redding understands the position already. Mm-hmm. With Ike, it gives us an opportunity to play Ike over at the two and put him in more of a scoring mode, more so than a playmaking mode. Mm-hmm. And that's going to help him and help our program as well, too. What it does, bringing in the talent that we've brought in this year, six new players, uh, a seventh with Valentine uh, Azundu, who sat out last year, mm-hmm. it's created a very high competitive uh, uh, situations in practice at every single position, mm-hmm. which in turn is making guys a lot better. It makes them more accountable to get in the gym at night and shoot the ball. It makes them more accountable in the classroom. It makes them more accountable to know the job and do the job on the floor. Mm-hmm. And subsequently, it's going to make us a better basketball team. I think we saw a senior I want to touch on, Q Johnson, kind of come on towards the end of the year last year. Averaged about 6.3 points in conference play, but I think he played better than that towards the end of the year. What are you expecting from him? This is his uh, third year in the program, uh, and I think it's fair to say probably the highest expectations for him uh, since he's been at WSU. Any player going into his third year uh, should have a breakout year, should be a stud Mm -hmm. in this conference, in my opinion, uh, with my background in this conference. And the thing about Q uh, we need for him to step up and, and, and have a great year. If he has a great year, uh, this team will have a great year. However, uh, he is really, really being pushed right now uh, because there are some very good players out at the wing. It's probably the most unsettled position right now mm-hmm. is that three spot where there's just a, a ferocious battle going on between Q Johnson, Renard Suggs, 
in Darian King, mm-hmm. and in turn again, that's going to make all of them better because they have to be so focused and it's so competitive right now amongst those three guys for minutes. Uh, who's going to get the start? Uh, who's going to be that guy that gets the green light uh, to be on the floor and shoot the ball? We've talked about how this team, not necessarily young, but a lot of newcomers on this basketball team as you guys kind of try to build this program up. With guys like Brett Bass and Junior Longroos, the only two seniors on the team, how important is their leadership, not necessarily, again, for the young guys on this team, but maybe just for the newcomers to Pullman in what's always a tough tough schedule to navigate when you're in the Pac-12? Well, I, I think the thing they've accepted and done a terrific job of is just um, – uh, being very vocal in practice, uh, being very vocal in the locker room. Uh, they have tremendous leadership qualities. Both of those young men are going to be extremely successful when they leave Washington State in whatever they do. And mm-hmm. I would suspect both of them would go somewhere uh, in, in corporate world because they're, they're that fine-tuned right now. Mm-hmm. That has really helped our team. Uh, they both will help us at times on the floor, but where they've been invaluable right now has been just their ability to take a hold of this program and show those new players uh, what we want as a staff, how you handle yourself, uh, the value of a college education, and the fact that I think both of those young men have really loved their college experience here at Washington State. Let's talk about the schedule a little bit uh, with you, Coach. Uh, very home game happy in the non-conference schedule, so you guys are going to be spending a ton of time inside of Beasley Coliseum. In fact, outside of just an eight-mile trip over to Moscow and spending Christmas in Hawaii, all non-conference games are in Pullman, including your tilt with Gonzaga. Is that important for your team to just kind of have that familiarity of you know playing in the same arena weekend or game in, game out in a year where you guys are still trying to continue to build this program into what you want it to be? It is extremely important for a couple of reasons. Number one, we're hoping to get some consistency and continuity uh, within our fan base, Mm -hmm. Uh, some consistency and continuity with winning, and with that comes confidence that you can get on a roll before you head into conference play. But more importantly, it gives us a chance to look like the other teams in the conference and their schedules. Mm -hmm. Last year, we did not look like the rest of the teams, opening them up on the road at UTEP staying on the road, going to Texas Christian, coming home for a game, then going back up to Alaska. That's very difficult to navigate that with a new staff and and a new team and new personnel. Mm -hmm. This year, our schedule matches everybody else in the conference. Everybody stays at home. Everybody puts together a schedule that hopefully will give them an opportunity to have some success at the same time being tested with the likes of a Texas Southern NCAA tournament team from Mm -hmm. last year. UTEP and obviously a nationally ranked team like Gonzaga and even Oklahoma on our schedule uh, in mm. the Hawaii tournament. You just spent Christmas in Hawaii. That can't that can't be too bad of a deal either. I mean, a nice warm weather in late December when you're in Pullman. That's that's a nice treat, I think, for everybody, right? Well, it, it all depends. If you were going over there to lay up on the beach, you put your feet up. <laughs> if you're going over to win a college basketball tournament, no, we're going to be in the gym. We're going to be in hotel room, banquet rooms, having walkthroughs. We'll have academic sessions, even though we're on a break from school. There's a lot going on uh, behind the scenes that get you ready to play the mm-hmm. games that are not going to allow us to have too much time to enjoy Hawaii the way we'd want to. So if you're a, if you're a fan, though, I, I, you don't have to go to the breakout session. You guys can just go to go to the beach and whatnot. So that that'd be nice. Uh, the conference schedule you get started with it right when you come home from Honolulu, New Year's Day in Pullman against SC, and then you know you run the slog all the way until you play Washington for the last time on March 2nd in Seattle. This is a tough conference. Again, it's getting better from kind of the valley it hit, I think, a couple of years ago with good teams like Arizona, Utah, Oregon's always competitive. UCLA is always good as well. Arizona State with Bobby Hurley is going to be better, I think. Colorado's always good. This is a difficult conference to get through. How do you kind of keep uh, your team focused on getting through that really tough conference schedule? And how do you kind of keep from getting too low physically or mentally with that just really long conference schedule? I think the thing um, that's an advantage for us is the fact that I played in this conference when it was the Pac-8. Mm-hmm. I coached in this conference when it was the Pac-10. And I did TV, and now I'm coaching again in this conference when it was the Pac-12. So if anybody 
in this conference understand this from a coaching perspective. It's myself because mm-hmm. nobody else can can say that what I just told you. So I understand the talent, the depth, uh, the grind, and what one has to do to get through it. And the biggest thing for, for this team that we have is to not get too up when you have those big wins, and we're going to have some big wins, and not get too down when you have some disappointing moments, and we're going to have that as well too. Mm-hmm. It's to stay focused, stay constant, and realize that day-to-day grind, day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month grind that it takes you to get through a season that mirrors really what we do in our daily work days as, mm-hmm. as adults and get through life. It's, it's, a, it's just a grind. So it's excellent teaching opportunities to teach young people how to deal with adversity and how to grind through something. The season will in essence be a miniature version of maybe one year of their life. Mm-hmm. So we look forward to the challenge that way to keep them focused, keep them grounded, and keep them headed in a positive direction. Pac-12 media poll didn't think a lot of either team from Washington this year, picking them to finish 11th and 12th. I can't remember what order in, but I, I think this basketball team is certainly better than that. And again, you know, even though the conference is good, there's a lot of young talent in this conference that can make those mistakes like you just talked about. This team is better, I think, than what they were voted. What do you think your expectations are for them through this season? Maybe not necessarily to finish first in the conference. That's always tough to do, but I think certainly to be better than last year, right? Well, I think the thing that you have to look at when you look at any team from a coaching perspective, any coach will tell you, we're driven to get the postseason play. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't care what team you have, that's the drive. If you don't have that kind of drive, you probably shouldn't be in coaching. The second thing is, as I look at this team and look at where the media predicted us to be, those predictions are based on what you lost out of your program mm-hmm. and, and maybe those quote-unquote big-name recruits that you have coming into your program. But to make a prediction, never having spent one minute uh, in my weight room, uh, out on the track with us, on the hills that this team has run, Mm -hmm. uh, in the environment where we have our retreats, to see this team coming together and their chemistry and the character of them coming together. You mentioned that everybody has new players. The key will be who can handle themselves with their confidence, handle the adversities that all of us are going to go through. So. We feel like we have a basketball team uh, that when it's all said and done, when we come together, that we'll be able to compete with anybody in this conference. And now you and I can have another conversation six weeks from now. (laughs) I have a much better feel as to how this team is coming together and give you more of a prediction. So for right now, it's just about competing Uh and getting your team ready uh, for this this grind that's coming up and realizing you're going to have some up moments and down moments as well. You're making them run those hills. They they got to not like that at the start of the season when maybe the conditioning's not as good as it should be at the beginning of the year. That The running the hills in Pullman is just a vicious. That is a that is a hard thing to do on every muscle in the body. We put a whole new definition to cougar calves. <laughs> I'll put it that way. I've, I've been to, I haven't been uh, in Pullman enough the last five years. I haven't been a student in five years, so I've I've lost the the toning on my calves, and I have to say it's the most disappointing thing about being an alumni, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about one other thing. We'll end on kind of a, a nice, soft question. Uh, you, I, I saw earlier in the I believe it was before school started, you were handing out pizza to a lot of students who had just uh, gotten to school. Please tell me you called ahead about that and didn't just like call Pizza Pipeline and say, I need 400 pizzas, please. Well, we did not necessarily call ahead. We, we did it a day in advance. Okay. And uh, going through campus and watching these uh, young people go through the rush, uh, rush week, you, you notice that, again, they're spending a lot of time outside because they couldn't go into their homes yet mm-hmm. and in the houses yet so uh we wanted to make sure we had an evening that we could get back to the students because we need those students in Beasley for us to be successful mm-hmm. uh, this year and beyond so uh, we did order the 400 pizzas and, and put them in uh, two different pickup trucks and drove through <laughs> campus uh hit every fraternity and pretty much all the sororities as well uh, to hand out pizzas and they were certainly very appreciative of it on a Thursday night uh, prior to prior to them getting into the houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hit home in a big way. The- and then we also went to bid day uh, on Sunday morning where 1,000 girls were finding out, uh, young ladies were finding out exactly what houses they were going into. And we hand-delivered to each one of them to their seat. Uh, 1,000 roses were handed out as well. Too. Whoa! And I thought it was um, huge on, on my part to show my commitment uh, to the students 
and giving them something back. And at the same time, we need their commitment to us for our program to be successful as well. That's like five seasons worth of roses for The Bachelor on ABC, too. That's a lot of roses. That was a lot of roses. And it was pretty <laughs> impressive when they held them all up in the air and screamed. <laughs> I have one, one more question, and it's essential for any guy who spent some time in Pullman. Do you have a favorite flavor of Ferdinand's ice cream, or is it just, like with me, it's it's like miles too hard to choose? I'm a chocolate chip guy, but I'll tell you what, going over there, that ice cream is so good, I tend to dip in a little bit of everything over there. So uh, I appreciate the fact that they have uh, uh, that ice cream sitting on our campus is pretty amazing. I, I have to run hills after I have too many of them. There because you go. Usually that's the problem. <laughs> Coach Ernie Kent of the men's basketball team uh, is here joining us. They are going to open their season tomorrow against Northern Arizona in Pullman and then again next Friday against Idaho State in Pullman. Every pretty much non-conference game in Pullman, it's going to be a real treat. Thanks, Coach, for joining us. You bet. Thank you. June Doherty coming up next. We're going to talk to her about the women's basketball team here on the Coop Center Hour. Back here on the Kook Center Hour, uh, we've interviewed one basketball coach already, so why not have a twofer? We'll do two basketball coaches. Head coach of the women's basketball team, Miss June Doherty, joining us here on the Kook Center Hour. And uh, coach, one exhibition game out of the way already. Tomorrow you're going to play uh, your opener against UC Santa Barbara. Uh, did you see what you needed to see in that exhibition against Lewis Clark State? A pretty thorough victory for the Cougs, but uh, did you kind of get out of it what you wanted to? You know, mm -hmm. get that confidence going offensively. But I thought defensively, we were uh, way ahead of where maybe I thought we could be at this time of year, so that was encouraging. I thought we shared the basketball much better than we did uh, last year. Mm -hmm. And a big, part, a big part of that is because our front line has really developed. So we're attacking more inside out, and uh, we had some pretty good success with that. So a lot of positive things came out of our first exhibition against Lewis and Clark. Now, I, I want to talk about one thing before we get to the, discussing the team because obviously there's a ton to talk about there, but there was one big rule change uh, that the NCAA uh, brought down before this year, and that's that women's basketball is now going to four 10-minute quarters instead of two 20-minute halves. Does that change your strategy, your how you play the game at all, or is it all just kind of the same and you guys get an extra break uh, you know, in after 10 minutes instead of 20 minutes uh, like you used to. Yeah, I know. You're bringing up a, a good point. And, and actually, we lost a timeout because of that. Okay. Which maybe, maybe the fans will like because, you know, it seems like we have a million timeouts, although we don't with our game. But, the, you know, the focus with the NCAA right now with the basketball committee is to help speed up the game and to make it more exciting, especially offensively, to free it up a little bit more. Uh, you're going to see more hand checks called, I think. Uh, they're trying to eliminate all the, physicality, all the physicality on the point guards and mm -hmm. anybody else that's handling the basketball. But I think when you, when you talk about how does it change for you as a coaching staff, I, I do believe you might be in more time and score situations on each quarter. And I think the biggest change that we've seen uh, is the fact that after five fouls in each quarter you go to bonus there is uh, free throw wise there's yeah. no more one and one you know so giving up a team two shots every time you foul after five each quarter could be devastating oh, I, I think for a team. I didn't know that that was also so it's, it's so it goes straight to the double bonus after five in each quarter I didn't know straight that that was also it. a change straight to it yeah straight to it so when you talk about you know how's that change of philosophy that was one of the things that as soon as we we're aware of that this summer. We really you know, talked about that as a staff and 
how important it is that we really get floor position, correct footwork, get our hands off the ball handler. And we've been working hard on it uh, since you know since that rule came into play. So uh, it was great to see in the first exhibition. Uh, you know, we did not put the Lewis and Clark in into bonus at all the first quarter. And I thought we played some pretty good defense with our feet instead mm-hmm. of our hands. So that's something that's going to be a challenge for all of us. But hopefully we can continue down that path. Let's move on to your team a little bit. Uh, we were scheduled to lose Tia Presley and Shaley Deanshaw after this year. Big losses, obviously. Leah Galdera makes the decision to go pro after last season as well. So now you're without your top three scorers from last year, accounted for over half the average points on the team. How do you replace some you know scores like that is it kind of a by committee thing or is it just something that's really tough to do to replace three players as special as those women were well first of all all three had uh, great careers at washington state mm-hmm. we, we love them to pieces and we're really re- really proud of all three of them mm-hmm. but you know every year you know you, you get ready and the team is always different and i think one of the things that we recruited heavily to become a bigger longer team and, and to really develop a, a better inside presence uh, for, for the mighty battles of the Pac-12 in particular. So, you know, we've been able to go overseas and, and, and in the States to, to get some really outstanding frontline players to kind of help fortify the inside game. And mm-hmm. um, so you, you'll see us, you know, we're more inside out. And, and I think, you know, as obviously being 6'2", myself, a former post player, you know, you want to, I want to see the ball go inside, and if we have a good opportunity to score a bucket around the rim, let's take it. If not, on a double team or whatever, let's kick it out. Mm-hmm. Our, our shooters our shooters are certainly, uh, you know, with good spacing, they're ready to really knock the three down with that going on. So I, I think that, you know, it is by committee, and at the same time when you replace two-thirds, well, really 61% of our scoring from yeah. last year, it is also changing the, the philosophy a little bit offensively and going more inside out. So, so far, I've been really pleased. Yeah, we've got some great upper class with Donnie Awa, Alexis Williamson, Mariah Cook. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, th- those kids have really, you know, they, they, they've been the glue to this program for four years, and it's their chance to really step up and, and, and show a little bit more of their game as well as the younger players in our program. I wanted to talk about that a little bit as well, because like you mentioned, you do have players coming back like Mariah Cooks, Danielle, Taylor Edmondson as well coming back. So even though you lose some scoring, you do bring back a lot of seniority on a team that I think is is fairly young, I you know, nine underclassmen on the roster. So it's, it's really important to bring back those seniors who maybe necessarily haven't led the team in scoring, but they understand what it's like to go through a long Pac-12 season, what it's like to go through that season. That's pretty important for having a team with a lot of underclassmen, isn't it? Oh, it's critical. It's definitely critical, and it's something that I, you know, I can tell you that that all, all all of our kids are expected to lead, and especially our seniors in the program, because uh, you know they, they just have a wealth of experience to share with our younger people, and, and they've done a good job with it. I, you know, remember we're in summer school, and we do get to have some limited practice time in the summer, but. Our, our upperclassmen have really, really stepped up in the leadership mm-hmm. development, and and, um, and and that's something that is, is, as a coach, you know, I think that makes me more proud than the jump shots they they hit because these <laughs> are qualities that they're going to have the rest of their life. So yeah. These are high character kids that are, that are experienced, that are willing to share the game, and that's that's going to be critical as we step into our first official game this week and all the way through the entire season. You look up and down this roster, coach, and it's 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 a ton of very young talent on it. I count four sophomores, five freshmen, including a couple of redshirt and Nike McClure, who I actually got to see when I worked in Centralia when she went to WF West High School uh, down in Lewis County. But uh, there's a ton of young talent on this team. Are we expecting some contributions early on from some of these freshmen? We have a lot of international players, which we'll talk about here in a little bit as well. Who are, who are we kind of expecting an early contribution from in terms of the youngsters on the roster? Well, yeah, you know, you, you're right. We, you know, we are a young, young program, but I, I believe, and I believe we're very talented and, and that's exciting as a coach here at Washington state. I feel like this is the first time in my nine years at Washington state that we're actually too deep, at every position on the basketball court, and maybe mm-hmm. three. So that that's that's really exciting. I, and my staff has done a phenomenal job of recruiting 
And, and I think, you know, just looking at the, two, the, the first exhibition game, like I said, everybody scored, but our two leading scorers were, were you know, two freshmen with Bobby and a Sweet. So, so both of them being able to shoot the ball as well as they're shooting it from the perimeter is going to help keep that inside game a little more honest so our post players can go one-on-one so we mm-hmm. can stay balanced. But I, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to talk about all 14, but those, those two in particular <laughs> with, with Boris Lava and Sweetland starting out and both, I think, having 13 apiece in that mm-hmm. exhibition game in limited minutes uh, speaks volumes about not only their talent but their confidence. There, like I mentioned, there's a lot of international players on this roster. Seven that I can count. You've got uh, players from Bulgaria, Portugal, Greece, Macedonia. Uh, you know, countries that even for a guy who liked geography are hard to find on a map sometimes. <laughs> How do you convince players from those countries to come to Pullman? Because I've heard stories before from student athletes who said, you know, I thought that when they said Washington State, I was, oh, it must be in Seattle. And they found out that, oh, God, it's 290 miles away in Pullman. How do you convince players to come to the Palouse and, and play for Washington State? because we offer a world-class education and, and our kids, whether they're from, uh, you know, Australia or Canada or obviously Europe right now, uh, that, you know, women's basketball, that's what they're looking for. They're coming to get a great degree and a great academic experience. I think the other thing is that, uh, you know, it, it's very exciting to be able to sit in homes all over the world and say we're one of the, the safest campuses in the country, mm-hmm. not just in the Pac-12. And, you know, just, just what a great community we have here in Pullman and, and, and how this is a true college town. And, and, you know, all those things bode well for, for a young person to come all the way from, you know, all, all the way from Bulgaria or Portugal or, or, you know, down in Melbourne, Australia as well. So uh, there, there's so many positives to, to present as a, quote, sell in recruiting about Pullman, Washington, and, and obviously the Washington State program. So, it's, it's a lot of fun to, to go in their homes and show them videos of, of the facilities of not only our, our state-of-the-art classrooms, but the same facilities that we, we are able to enjoy now on the athletic side of things. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the conference a little bit overall, because I think it bears repeating in pretty much every sport, the Pac-12 is just ridiculously deep, and especially it seems... In women's sports, it's it's even deeper. You know, soccer. Uh, the women's soccer team just made their fifth straight uh, conference or the NCAA tournament. But soccer's a deep sport. Volleyball's a deep sport. Basketball's up there as well. I mean, OSU picked to finish first in the conference. They're a tough team, and Stanford's just a perennial contender in the NCAA tournament. And even all the way down through everything, you don't really get an off weekend when you're in conference play, do you? Well, that's why you you know that's why you hope that you can coach in the Pac-12 and you hope you can play in the Pac-12. Because it's the best of the best, you know, and it always has been. And women's basketball's got such a great tradition, um, you know. And so it's it's really exciting to be able to to put players in situations where they get to not only take their game to the next level and show people that they can play against the best, but also compete against the best every night. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, four years goes really, really fast. And for our student athletes, I, I think that it's the best of both worlds, academically and athletically. The other thing about the, the Pac-12 is now with the Pac-12 network, um, you know, the, their families, the, their fan base are, are able to follow their careers now more than what they could do in the past. And mm-hmm. actually, right now, the Pac-12 network is in 25 countries as well. So that's another ticket that we kind of sell out there about uh, coming to Pullman, Washington and, and playing in the Pac-12. And you get to see your daughter play all our games. So. It's pretty exciting. That's got to involve some early wake-up calls, though, for parents, right? Because, like, if games start at, like, 8 o'clock at night, you're getting up at uh, 5 a.m. Yeah. That's commitment. Yeah. That's parental yeah. commitment. Yeah, the, the parents, the, I, you know, our parents from Athens, Greece, and, and some of the other places are always saying, can we change the game times? And I say, no, we're not going to play at 2 in the morning for you. But fortunately, the games are archived, and they can pick them up some other time. That is very true. You look at uh, your non-conference slate as well, Coach, and it's it's no easy sled. You know, it's, it's going to be tough. You're going to Stillwater to play Oklahoma State, to Boise to play a good Boise State team. You always play Gonzaga, also a very good team, and then heading to Lawrence to play Kansas. A, a difficult non-conference schedule, I think. That's Is that to set them up and to, you know, kind of get them ready for that conference schedule we just talked about? Because you don't... You know, you don't want to play such an easy schedule that you get into the Pac-12 and go, oh, goodness, all of a sudden the competition's a lot tougher. 
exactly. I mean, you're exactly right. And, and I like the way you think, too. I, I've always felt like schedule heavy in the preseason because we want our players to be ready, ready to not just step into Pac-12 but win the Pac-12. And you can't do that unless you play tough competition, I don't believe, in the preseason. And we're going to be road warriors a little bit. Yep. We're going to travel quite a bit in this November. I don't even think we're going to be here in November much, but we're going to travel quite a bit. And, and I'm excited about that, to, to be able to test ourselves that strongly on the road in a hostile environment against some very good teams. I think important for young teams, too, to go on the road that much. Um, we uh, see the preseason poll out, picks WSU 10th. I think that's low for this basketball team. What are the expectations that uh, WSU fans should have uh, for the 2015-16 women's basketball team? I, th I think, you know, obviously, fair to say scoring might struggle at points when you lose your top three scorers, but what are, what are the expectations that uh, we should have for this basketball team for the end of the year, maybe? I think the thing that you got to remember is that we're coming off back-to-back postseason play, and we we're a very talented group. I think that uh, some of the some of the um, scouting services that do do scout overseas recognize the fact that two years ago we signed the number one international player, Lou Brown, out of Australia. And last year we signed the number one international player uh, in their age category with, with Borislava coming here. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, people internationally know how, how good these kids are. Maria Korsakova, 6'5", who starts for the Portugal national team, had a double double in both the under twenties and under 18s this summer represented her country mm -hmm. and on and on and on. So I, I think that we're going to be the surprise team of the PAC 12. And I, I think that our fans that came out the other night to see our exhibition with Lewis and Clark, walked away with big smiles on their faces and, <laughs> and saying, wow, this is a team that's exciting to watch defensively, offensively. They sh really share the basketball. There were some really fun passing mm -hmm. going on on the floor, very unselfish play. And at the same time, at the end of it all, everyone scored, and it looked like we were having fun out there. So I, I think our fans should expect greatness from this team. That's what we expect every day, and we're excited to, to, to tip it off here this weekend. I like we we we've had so many hard hitting questions in this interview. I like uh, <laughs> I I want to end on uh, on personal notes. Uh, you played your college ball at Ohio State, so I I assume you still at least somewhat partake in watching the Buckeyes in football. What do you think of them this year? They they're uh, what they're top four in the country now in the college football playoff. Maybe well on their way to another uh, national championship. Yeah, Urban Meyer has done a, an amazing job there, and um, boy, it'd be nice to have his problems that he has with, <laughs> with uh, as far as having too many quarterbacks yeah. and all that, but um, you know, it's exciting. Mike and I are both Buckeyes, and uh, we both played at Ohio State, and we're born in the state, and you know, all those good things, but uh, we always keep an eye on them, but uh, I'll tell you what, I, I couldn't be more proud of what Coach Leach has done here in the mm -hmm. football program, to watch what has happened in four short, short years is simply amazing. And uh, it's, so, it's so neat to be able to be here and, and be a small part of it. But uh, hats off to him and his staff for what they've built here. And uh, I'll tell you what, I, don't th I think they're going to uh, – they're not done yet, you know, as far no. as this season. There's more greatness to come from them as well. So I can't wait for the next Saturday game. You not only get basketball talk from June Doherty, you get football talk from June Doherty. And I think probably the hardest-hitting analysis we've seen here on the Coop Center Hour all week. Uh <laughs> I have, I have one more question for you, June, and you mentioned your husband, Mike. He's uh, on the bench with you. He's an associate head coach. Uh, you're not the only coach at Washington State with a spouse uh, also on their coaching staff. Jen Greeny's husband, Burdett, of course, is her assistant coach. I asked her this question. I want to ask you, are you guys able to keep arguments about basketball in the gym, or does it kind of spill over to home when you're washing the dishes and all of a sudden something gets brought up and then just like a plate goes flying across the room? that Mike's been allowed he's allowed me to chase my career and he's a big part of what we do and um, you know it's just really fun it is a family affair with us and, and that's a great thing but I think you know we both have outside interests that are a little bit different off the court mm -hmm. uh, you know he loves to uh, fly fish and, and stand up paddle board and I, I love to shop I'm pretty good at that <laughs> you know we, we have a lot of different interests so often we usually do a lot of other things and 
have fun with it. But, uh, you know, it's great that, that I can share, you know, that we both can share a passion with basketball and help mentor these young people at Washington State. We really enjoy it. And I think, you know, Rod and Ashley do a great job as well. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, we haven't broken many plates lately or anything like that. <laughs> but we do take basketball home with us. Uh, more than probably most people would, would think, but that's something that we love, and, and we just want to get it right for, for Washington State and for the young people who play for us. Okay, so what I'm hearing is for Christmas, you don't need, like, Gordon Ramsay plates from Macy's or anything. You don't, you're, uh, you're you in go. good shape there. there. You go. Coach June Doherty, she's the head coach for the women's basketball team. They tip off Friday night against UC Santa Barbara in Pullman. Go there, have some fun. It's always fun to watch June's team. Coach, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Go Cougs! Wrap up the Cougs Center Hour coming up next here on the Cougs Center Hour. Well, I hope you enjoyed our uh, basketball preview Coog Center hour, but uh, I do need to do one one piece of Ask Michael Anything. We're not going to talk about football on this one at all. I want to keep this one dedicated to basketball. We had a couple more football questions we couldn't get to in the last one, but there is a question I've neglected to answer for like weeks on end, and it comes to us from at Cougar 8 Mr. Rick Scott. What is your go-to order at Taco Bell? I've been neglecting this. I've been neglecting this for weeks and weeks and weeks. And it is a kooks in our We still need to do end with like something, right? So here's my go-to order at Taco Bell. You know, what we used to get in high school was if you bought those like the cards from the football team or something, give you discounts around town. You used to get those little bean burritos for 49 cents. We get like 10 of them at lunch. But now I get a Crunchwrap Supreme and that comes with like the, like the regular taco or whatever and then a drink. And then I get a Chalupa on top of that. Because I'm I'm a skinny guy, and then and it's it's a beef supreme chalupa. I don't need that nacho cheese, and I already got that in the Crunchwrap Supreme. And then I get I get a bean and cheese burrito, just something nice and basic, not too spicy, and I like that to sit in there. And usually, I will admit this, I usually get a Mountain Dew to drink because I want to feel like I'm back playing Halo Two. Link cable at my friend's place until 5 in the morning sometimes. It's just it's a nice nostalgic throwback. That's our basketball preview show. We're back to one show a week next week, but we wanted to do two this week for the basketball teams. Opening things up this weekend in Pullman, both of them in Pullman uh, for the weekend. The women will play again on Monday. The men will go a week between games to open their season. Thank you so much for listening to both editions of the Kook Center Hour this week. We will be back next Tuesday night, as usual, Wednesday morning, and we'll resume normal programming on the Kook Center Hour.